Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. It's time for Royally Obsessed, your podcast about all the royal news of the week. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. A few royal reminders, as always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating, five stars. We love that. Rachel... It's been a little bit quiet still, but we still have so much to catch up on. I know a lot of actually really fun things. We are going to be talking about the BAFTAs. We have some coronation updates. We're sleuthing a possible Sussex Instagram handle, which I'm super happy you're on that job, Roberta, because you're sleuthing. (laughs) I'll never forget the Notting Hill reference for those pregnancy photos, which you pulled out. It was great. Um, A throwback to an Aston Martin factory visit for then Prince Charles, and also Pancake Day. We have a lot to discuss, even though it is semi-quiet. And to go with Pancake Day. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. We thought a royal refreshment that would be super on theme would be mimosas. So Rachel and I are sipping our mimosas. I have Prosecco in mine, and I will also have Prosecco. Yeah. I love it. I will say uh, my parents, I was with them in Florida recently, and they bought a juicer, and we <gasps> did fresh-squeezed orange juice mixed mixed with fresh-squeezed grapefruit juice. It was incredible. The mix is where it's at. So that is oh my, my recommendation gosh. this week. It's worlds of difference. And also, you've got that beautiful Florida fruit, too, that's like yes. absolutely ready to be picked. <laughs> it's in their backyard, actually. They have a grapefruit tree, so that's really nice. But I wanted to ask about and catch up with you, Rachel, because I saw you went to Mystic Pizza, oh, which yeah. is one of my favorite Julia Roberts movies. So I love good. It. Can I just say, everyone was really excited. Actually, some Roros are nearby. Tina, who's a longtime Roro, and we've met oh, her at yeah. some events. She lives nearby. So I heard from some of you. I will say it was not my first time. I think it was my third or fourth time. I love Mystic Pizza, and I just love reminiscing about that movie. I need to rewatch it. It's such a good one. You Lots of Julia Roberts chatter in this episode already. I know. I know already. All right. Well, let's get into our listener email. It's actually a listener Facebook group thread about our episode with Clive Irving. He's an editor at The Daily Beast, former managing editor at The Sunday Times. Um, a lot of you really enjoyed that episode and his interview. So Luna posted that she really enjoyed the last full-length podcast episode with Clive. Very good discussion all around. She posted that on Facebook. And then Jen commented, I loved Clive's commentary and insights. And Luna wrote back, same, he was great. From his perspective on Charles being a sort of interim king all the way to reparations, it was such a wide-ranging and interesting discussion. I love the idea of Buckingham being converted into a museum. That makes so much sense. And I know other royal commentators have made similar remarks. But really, it's not like they're short on real estate. Give the palace back to the people. 
To which Jen replied, yes to all of this, what a tourist attraction that would become for art lovers, history buffs, royal enthusiasts. It could generate so much money. The discussion about Queen Elizabeth being unknowable and stoic compared to Charles, whose eccentricities and missteps the public's been following for 70 years now was fascinating and true. We're so glad that you guys enjoyed that episode and that conversation with Clive. Really, no. We loved having him on. Hope he can come back. And there's a lot of guests to think about for the year ahead too. It's early in 2023. I know we'd love to hear your recommendations from our audience. Who would you love to hear from? Who do you think we should have on this year? Rachel and I are thick in the brainstorming phase for the rest of the year. And so let us know. Send us your thoughts. You can email us info at gallerypodcast.com. You can dm the instagram handle you can write it on facebook and a facebook thread whatever you guys feel like we will be accepting nominations for guests nominations for yeah. royally obsessed guests yes. <laughs> nominate to your favorite guest or or potential guest and we'll potential guests and we'll do our best um shall we move on to royal history roberta let's do it and now this week in royal history All right. Before there was a pandemic, Roberta, there was then Prince Charles visiting the new Aston Martin Lagunda factory in South Wales. These photos kind of surprised me when I was digging back through Getty Images. It was February 21st, 2020. Chuck rolled up in his own Aston Martin DB6, which happened to be a gift for his 21st birthday from Her Majesty the Queen back in 1969. Still purring that car. But there's a special reason for that. It's not just any old Aston. Charles' car has been powered, we've read about this quite a few times, by a mix of wine and cheese since 2008. I wasn't sure about this because I was like, are we just dumping like our bottles of Sauve Blanc into his car? (laughs) How does this work? But it is not working that way. The wine that runs the car or is used for the car is not suitable for human consumption. And it's not just cheese, like your artisanal cheeses from the local shop. It's a byproduct of the cheese manufacturing process. So that's mm. how it, you know, how it all comes together. I wrote about this for Pure Wow. So I kind of know, I kind of know about You're the inner workings of the wine that goes in. But it has to be, I think it has to be white wine, which is something, but it, yeah, it's the biofuel that they make from the extras of making wine, which is really interesting to have that be kind of a upcycled way to use uh, grapes, I guess. It is. And perfect segue, Roberta. We have this clip of Charles himself discussing how the car functions in the documentary Prince, Son, and Heir Charles at 70, where he talks about the fuel. Let's play that now. They discovered they could run it on surplus English white wine. But also, I hadn't realized that they mix whey into it. The engineers at Aston said, oh, it'll ruin the whole thing. Anyway, I said, well, I won't drive it then. So they got on with it, and now they admit that it runs better and is more powerful on that fuel than it is on on petrol. And also it smells delicious as you're driving along. (laughs) Couldn't you just listen to Charles all day long? Like, he needs one of those, what's that app, the meditation app where they read stories like you're walking through the the fields of, yeah, Yeah. you're walking through like the fields of Provence. He just has such a lovely cadence. He also is really stubborn about some of these things. Like you can tell he's like, they said that it might not run. And he said, okay, then I won't drive it. So then they got to work and they figured it out. He's just very, he stick to it. He sticks to his guns about a lot of things. And I think I respect him for that in a lot yes, of ways. Yes. Yes. Royal line in the sand. I will say, remember, this is the same car that Kate and William drove in their post-wedding sort of drive around town after their official like I do's. And I always think of that L sign on the front. Remember that supposedly 
according to our guest, Micah had said that Harry was behind that, right? The learner's permit sign is front and center in the pictures. But back to South Wales in 2020, Charles was there to tour this brand new factory and drive the brand's new SUV and DBX. I just think, ah, to be king. (laughs) Or at that, I guess, Prince then, but. At the Aston Martin factory casual. And one thing, because I was kind of curious about this. Running a car on wine and cheese is described as a boutique solution that would actually be kind of bad for the environment should it become like a mass production situation mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of the strain it would put on the environment to put produce that volume of like those byproducts from wine and cheese. But it is a demonstration by Charles of how radical we have to be to solve the climate problems. And there is potential if we just put our minds to it. So a little bit of a, you know. Good good side of it, bad side of it. And it makes me think that Charles should be one of the guest speakers when they do that Earthshot retreat each year because I feel like yes. Charles does have such out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to the environment, just like his father, mm-hmm. the Duke of Edinburgh, did. And so I think that that would be fascinating really for the ahead winners of his time to hear. On that. Yeah. We'll give Charles some praise here. Before we get into our big BAFTAs discussion, which is the big royal headlines of the week, I wanted to dive into this article that's from Camilla Tomini in The Telegraph because, you know, it's about Megan and we haven't seen Megan. I've been missing Megan, I will say, because it's been about three months, Rachel, since we last saw her. The Ripple of Hope Awards was in early December 2022. You know, it's almost early March. So it's been a while. So reminder, though, Camilla Tomini in The Telegraph. Harry skewers her a bit in Spare in his memoir. He says that she, her stories about the bridesmaid dress debacle, she was a reporter that made him ill and then always got stuff wrong. So I feel like taking this with a grain of salt when you read Camilla Tomini, just to think of what Harry's perspective is on all of this. But the article itself is kind of an investigation into where Megan is because there is this rumor that she has a secret Instagram profile. And I guess this is an open secret that a lot of people know already, but I had no idea. Had you heard of this before, Rachel? No, 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 no. Not until I saw you drop this in our rundown. I was like, wait, what? And I was following all the trails that you had put. <laughs> and so the handle is at Megan. It came about last year kind of in line with when Megan had the interview with Allison P. Davis for The Cut, in which she told the writer, I'm getting back on Instagram. She later clarified in that interview that she was no longer sure she'd actually return, but this handle, at Megan, surfaced around then. The IG profile pic was a childhood picture of Megan that had, I guess, never been seen before. It was later removed. Now it's, I had to look this up, a Pink Dahlia stock image. I guess Pink Dahlias are kind of a Sussex squad thing, is what Camilla writes. I didn't know. I didn't know that or have no idea. I didn't know that either. This is interesting because I think <laughs> you're like your sleuthing abilities that you mentioned at the top. This I is very it. amateur sleuthing, but I had to look this up. The Dahlia blooms in late summer and early fall, which is kind of around Megan's mm-hmm. birthday in August. It's also the official flower of the city of San Francisco. So there's a California tie there. It's very popular in California. I always think when I think of dahlias of the Black Dahlia, which is that horrible kind of murder that happened, I think it was in the 50s or so, the golden age of Hollywood, the Black Dahlia. So I don't know, it kind of has grim associations for me, but mm-hmm. I guess it's it's a very powerful symbol of kindness and sympathy and also of 
motherhood and womanhood and feminism. So it was interesting. Megan wore a dress with dahlias on it by Eliza J in her good housekeeping profile Ooh, from 2016. That I just missed because I worked there and oh, they, they had right. her booked and I did the fashion interviews for the publication in my final two years at, when I worked there. So I didn't do the fashion styling, but I did interview the celebs and it was her last interview before she announced her engagement. I think it was her official yes, last official interview. So you got there right after they did it? I left to go to Pure Wow right as that was the next one in the can. I think my last one was Sarah Rafferty from Suits was who I interviewed. What Which was also, there, yes, right? we, 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 during that era, were huge Suits fans. So for our editor-in-chief at the time, this was like a huge, huge excitement to land Meghan Markle, Rachel Zane. Who else did you have? I just, I'm curious. I love this tangent. You, who oh else did you gosh. interview a lot? Good housekeeping. You had so many celebs. Some Brooklyn Nine-Nine cast members, Andy mm. Samberg, and nice. my gosh. Um, and then I'm trying to remember who else. There was like just a whole range of really lovely women. Like I just, I honestly... It was one of my favorite parts of the job. Oh, I love that. The other just little tidbit is, of course, Flower. N- Megan's nickname uh, by her mother, Doria, was Flower when she was a child, supposedly. And so I think that that was kind of a tie-in that people thought. I will say the Telegraph article, it also kind of veers into this really uncomfortable and kind of awful territory with quotes from someone saying she's a money grabber and she's laughing all the way to the bank and all these things. And that made me kind of feel weird about the entire thing. But I think that the Megan Instagram handle is kind of exciting and maybe we'll see her. I know. I was going to ask, did you follow it? I was like, do I? Do I just follow it? (laughs) I am following it right now. Okay, it's official. I fourteen ninety two. That's not very many followers. No, but there is a hefty mis- mix because I think in the Camilla Tomini piece, it said there were about five hundred. So it's it's going up ever since that published. Um, I did I think- just feel like if it's someone random, this is all so weird to be talking about their handle. I know it is really weird. It's a lot of press for that person's handle, but I mean, smart branding for that person, I guess. I did feel like it had such a negative tone. The article. It's like, of course, Megan is going to be thinking about her next move, and her and Harry are going to be structuring it you know, thinking very strategically about what makes sense for them. I also was going to say, didn't Camilla, she, even though she got things wrong, she was the one that confirmed their relationship, correct? Yes. Yes, you're right. And I do think that the the uncomfortable feeling we're getting from that article is a lot of those quotes from someone that she interviews. So I didn't feel like Camilla herself actually was that negative about anything. She was actually kind of saying like, you know, good for her for, you know, she she's moving on from kind of the um the narrative of the royal family and creating this own path for herself so i thought that that was that was kind of a nice way to say that you know megan can create her own her own purpose in life now but she does cherry the pick family. those quotes as the writer but still oh gosh still. yeah she yeah. totally does those quotes were included by her choice so of course you know yeah with great salt but i will say too speaking of negative thoughts of the Sussexes, that South Park episode. I don't even want to give it any oxygen or airtime. Did you it's watch it? Awful. It's awful. I've seen clips of it and it made my stomach turn. It's misogynistic. It's it the even the foul language. Like I feel like I swear like a sailor and I still felt uncomfortable with that. I know. I think I kind of moved on from South Park a long time ago. It makes me kind of feel a little, you know, uncomfy. I know they've jabbed at William too. Like there was a whole thing. Uh, I think about it was the this royal season. wedding. Yeah, yeah, with the 
Prince of Pegging and all of that stuff. So, and we don't know that that's William, but that was their jab. Um, anyways, I I did see there. Was I a didn't statement. know that South Park was still being created. So I'm just that's how yeah they made headlines. I mean, the show that the show needs to be canceled. Like it's 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 not good. Anyway, I was just going to say there was a statement from Harry and Meghan that they won't be suing. I was getting texts from people being like, "Is it true?" Because everyone comes to me being like, "Do you have the fa- the royal?" scoop on this stuff i mean i'm like saying it like i don't know why but <laughs> but yeah, yeah they and said i was the, like no i'm sure they're giving it no merit at all they said the claims about them suing were boring and baseless and i yeah thought, yeah it's just all it's all chat on so All right, BAFTAs, let's discuss. I feel like it can be broken down into very clear talking points here. The dress, the tux, the butt tap. Is that fair? (laughs) butt tap. (laughs) That's basically, I was like, what do I want to say? That's what I want to say. Perfect. But the dress, let's talk about it. It was Alexander McQueen revisited her 2019 dress and she swapped that corsage detail for a flowing white chiffon shoulder. What did you think? Gosh, I loved this. The fact that you can upcycle a dress like this, I think that's something we rarely see royals do. So I think that that was really, really something to applaud. It's historic too, because we've never seen that I know of a royal wear a dress, a gown that they've worn to an event, to that same event again. And I feel like that's something that should be applauded. She wore the same gown to the BAFTAs again. It's sustainable. Just totally reimagined. The earrings were affordable. She kind of hit all the right notes for me. And I know people have a lot of thoughts on the gloves, which we should get into. I know. So they're Cornelia James, official vendor for the royal family. I know this is controversial, but I think I liked them, Roberta. I loved them. I'm, I I'm feel going like when to you take a look, stand, we're, okay, good, we're the minority good. here, though. I'm too. proud of us. We are, we are such the only the two people that like them, I think. Really, truly. Did you see the photos when she's sitting in the audience? They are stunning, and it looks so princess-like and royals. It, she really stands out amongst yeah, the rest I of the saw guests. a video. It was a compilation of actresses, celebrities, royals wearing opera gloves, and it featured Diana in those yes. gorgeous pink satin opera gloves. Amal Clooney had a very similar look except reversed where she had a black chiffon dress and white gloves. Stunning. I was I, I, floored by how gorgeous this look was. support. I thought we were going to be at odds. I didn't know because everyone, no one really liked them, but I thought they were gorgeous. So there are glam. a few comments that say like, I love that it's daring. It's bold. It's something that Kate's never done before. She's pushing the envelope on her own fashion tastes and style and I think that that's really commendable I do agree at some of the things that said that the gloves were too high I feel like Mm. they were a little too high they came up too far on her arm because they almost hit her armpit and there was like a crease there Mm. I felt like they should have actually come to just above her elbow or at her elbow but I thought the overall look was stunning and the Zara earrings more gloves should we be buying I know I was like (laughs) thinking about that I'm like could I pull those off Kate also has very svelte arms, too. It's like a really yeah. great ad for getting our arms back for spring. Um, the Zara earrings, I did want to ask about that because I think that the argument that it's great to have something that's affordable in the mix, Kate does the high-low stuff really well, but wouldn't sustainability involve pulling something, a non-controversial piece from the Royal Jewel Box versus something that's fast fashion What do you think? Yeah, with diamonds, I know. I was thinking about how 
perfect it would have looked to have, you know, a pair of Diana's pearl earrings or diamond earrings along with this, or even Queen Elizabeth's. I mean, these are the events like the Baptist red carpet is where you raid the jewelry vault. So or I was something surprised. from William that we haven't seen, like something really beautiful or yeah, I'm sure she has her own personal collection. People got really upset over how big and chunky oh, I liked were. them. I still I, loved I thought it was them. kind of interesting too and I, I liked the whole look and I will say the only critique I had of Kate's fashion that night was that a lot of the attendees and the nominees were wearing blue ribbons for Ukraine and the war in mm. Ukraine in support of how striking would it have been to have her wear on her white dress a bright blue ribbon in support of Ukraine I thought what a miss for her team to not have her wear that that's not I that's know. not a controversial issue at all they've done engagements in support of Ukraine and that's the a really good point there yeah there was a lot of conversation I know this is a tangent but about her pancake day outfit where she held yellow flowers and she had the navy attire and was that a nod to Ukraine the next day I know it's a totally different thing but yeah it's the same day too that I think the news of Biden surprise visit to the Ukraine mm-hmm. occurred and also we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the start of the war Unreal. so I do think that that could be a well thought out and timed flower arrangement for her and I want to say I loved those earrings that we have no idea where they're from the earrings she wore to that they're vintage home. I think I found oh they're, they're vintage. vintage yes oh, yeah I just loved those because it, it makes me think of when um I think it was Bethan told us that Diana would wear big fun earrings for visits to children's care units or to hospitals where she would be around kids and I also thought you know senior care living too their eyes might be going. It's just kind of those big earrings that, that yeah. a couple of people mentioned clip-ons as like they remind them of their grandmother and that was the style. I loved that. All right, I'm going to steer us back to the BAFTAs because I do want to talk about William's tux. Steer I thought us. he looked incredibly dashing. Tom Ford, I felt like my 16-year-old self that loved him and thought he was so dreamy. I, I felt that in seeing this look. I just And they also looked very, very happy. I mean, you you can say all that you want to say about like – is this a, you know, clapping back after spare? We're going to show you the PDA. I wanted to talk about the butt tap too. Um, but I don't know. It was it was a great moment for the Prince and Princess of Wales. And a, like a one in a long streak of velvet blazers for William, which is really fun. And yeah, one of he wears most, that well. Yeah, and Tom Ford, that's so high fashion. Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> Did you like the butt tap though? That was like a little like PDA cuteness. I was confused because on the one hand, is like I feel like there was a hand-holding moment, but I couldn't tell. I've watched that video so I much. Too. I don't even want to admit. But I I'm know. like, does she reach for his hand and he uh, he avoids it, but then she taps his butt playfully? I don't know. It was yeah. I liked is it, it still a little awkward, mom and dad out? It, but also, like to your point, is it forced chemistry for the cameras or not? Like it, it seems like she. I was trying to get her. Like what she was saying about the photographers, trying to lip read what she said right there, and I couldn't figure it out. So they did seem very at ease. I will say, from watching all the clips, it seemed um, just from watching their arrivals at Earthshot, that felt a little bit more um, stilted for me. And seeing them, at, you know, I wasn't in person for this one, but it seemed a little bit more free and fun. Okay, one last question: Did you watch the Helen Mirren tribute to Queen Elizabeth II? Yes, so good. I wanted to say I loved this quote that she mentioned, and it reminded me actually, speaking of Clive Irving in our chat with him about one of his quotes, but Helen Mirren said, 
this was talking about Queen Elizabeth. She said, the nation's leading lady, but as mysterious as a silent film star. Mm. I felt like that really played into Clive's description of how, you know, the queen was unknowable. Charles is very knowable. So just wanted to mention yeah. that for me. Really good one. And also oh, there was the Ariana a Ariana DeBose uh, <laughs> opening. Did you see those clips of Yeah, that? but I, I think that it was actually received better in person. I, I've been watching that and reading some of the stuff about it. And I think I feel there's really a real bad controversy. That people, yeah, that people are being so mean about it because it was, it was funny yeah. and kind of cute. But all right, should we move on to the Corey Corner? Okay, well, I love Corey Corner. This was your brainchild. <laughs> Welcome. All right, the only thing I wanted to touch on for the coronation in the lead up, and I guess we'll try to do this most weeks, the yeah, Corey Corner. Yeah, there's lots of news spilling out. Yeah, so the uh, the only thing is that's been bubbling up this week is that Adele and Ed Sheeran are nose. Their schedule has conflicting. What? I know, which would be so How dare they? Adele, um, the headline was, Hello Blow, which I thought was a really good use of the song title. Clever. Hello from the other side, yep. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, though, is a yes, and he has written an anthem, which includes words adapted from Psalm 98. It's been scored for the Westminster Abbey Choir in Oregon and the Ceremonial Brass and Orchestra, and he said he hopes his anthem reflects this joyful occasion. I want to say Harry Styles is still in the running. The Beatles what? How might is that? be in the running, I guess, uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr have recorded something in wow. LA is what the report is. This is from Variety. And so it's a, Variety says that multiple sources have said Paul McCartney has recorded something for a forthcoming Rolling Stones project. I don't know. I just feel like that reunion and the Spice Girls reunion would be huge for the coronation. I just will say that if there's one meeting that Charles is not missing related to the coronation or the Corey, it's anything music related. Can we agree on that? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. He's going to make sure it's all buttoned up. Can't wait. Let's get into our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low this week is Camilla in bed with the Daily Mail again. She's again. hosting this nationwide sweepstakes. They announced this week the Queen Concert will hold a Coronation Champions Award in partnership with the Daily Mail to honor Britain's unsung army of selfless volunteers. They're going to pick 500. They'll get a pin, a certificate, two tickets to a concert or garden party for them and a plus one. The thought is wonderful. My low is that it's backed by the Daily Mail. Yeah, that's unnecessary and just doubling down on something that needs to be you're backing away from. Yeah, what's bumming you out this week, Rachel? So Paul Burel, I will say I'm very sorry to hear that he has received a prostate cancer diagnosis. He appeared on some talk shows. He talked about it. But there's a lot of tabloid headlines that he's contributing to that says he must share Diana's secrets with William and Harry before it's too late. It just feels so opportunistic, and it, it's like everything about it. He has info that could bring the boys back together. I just don't understand what purpose this serves. It's just icky feeling for me. I've, I have been reading a ton about his backstory. More and more, I just want to understand it, but I don't love this. It's treading into Samantha Markle territory, like the opportunisticness of it all. So I know it's really... it's. Well, just don't go to the tabloids. Like, there's other ways, and we know Harry's feelings from Spare about Paul Burrell a little bit. Yeah, that's where I think it colors my thoughts on uh, how I feel about him now. My high, though, this week is just, I mean, I 
have to say Kate's accessories. I am loving the gloves. Unpopular opinion. No one agrees with me except you, Rachel, but I love I the gloves. I firmly agree with you. Good, good. I love the earrings. I love, uh, I even love the Zara earrings. I feel like all of it was just a hit for me. So applaud. yeah, she's, it was fantastic. I loved the like night to day changeover too. just having those back to back appearances. Mm-hmm. And my high, I'm just repeating. I can't decide if it's William and Tom Ford or the butt tap, but I'm going <laughs> to, I just loved those two moments. We'll give William a high for this week. I like it. All right. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Pretty please. We've gotten some lovely ratings. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Until next week. God, God save, save the pod. The Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.